Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. In the midst of our troubles, it's very easy to forget how great and wonderful God is. As you begin to understand and absorb the character of God into your heart, that will change so many things about you. While all that change will not happen overnight, you will begin to notice a difference in your thinking and the way you live. It will also change the way you see people and the world as you begin to see things through the eyes of God. You will even be able to see your sins and those of others through God's eyes. Let's join Pastor Jim in Daniel chapter 4 in part 1 of his message, Grace Greater Than Our Sin. Well, let me begin with a series of questions for you today. Do you sometimes forget how powerful God is? Do you sometimes forget how merciful he is? Do you forget sometimes how loving he is? Do you sometimes forget how sovereign he is, that he is in control of all of the affairs of the world, even as we often say, much of what goes on in this world that he hates, that his plan will still come together? If you're not a follower of Jesus, whether you're here with us or watching online, we're thrilled that you're with us. And, and are you even aware of these things? Do you know these things are even true? Do you know... Or do you remember how forgiving God is, how gracious God is? Now, I could go on and on and on with just all the wonderful characteristics of God. We could sing a few songs and you would all say, that was the best sermon I ever heard in my life. So let me ask you this question. This is really for someone who's a follower of Jesus. Do you read your Bible? Let me just stop right there. Do you read your Bible? Do you read your Bible through the lens of all the things that I just said? About God's love, about God's power, about God's mercy, about God's sovereignty, about God's forgiving nature, about his graciousness. Is that the way you read your Bible? Our series in the book of Daniel, we've entitled Living in a New World. And for a lot of us, it feels like we live in a new world that has come upon us very, very suddenly recently. So let me ask you this question. Being a Bible reader who reads through those lenses, would you think you would come to the conclusion that we are doomed or we are on the cusp of a great opportunity, maybe the greatest opportunity any of us have ever seen in our lives? Has fear, has sin, has shame, has hopelessness, has pride, has indifference limited you? Has it made you passive in your faith? Has it made us passive in our faith where we've come to the point in time where we no longer have a desire to invite people into the kingdom of God? Today in Daniel chapter 4, we're going to say goodbye to King Nebuchadnezzar. Next week, Lord willing, in chapter 5, we'll return to our typical way of going through the Bible verse by verse. But today I want to look briefly at a kind of a summary of Nebuchadnezzar's life, and I pray that the Holy Spirit would remind us 
of one of the most fundamental truths of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That truth is the title of our message, Grace Greater Than Our Sin. May God use whatever of relevance I say today (laughs) to fill our hearts with great hope. You may want to turn back a page or so or two, go back to Daniel chapter 1, and the book begins this way, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, so that's about 605 BC, Nebuchadnezzar, remember we've been saying he was the most powerful man in the world at the time, the king of Babylon, why was he the most powerful man in the world? Because Babylon was the world's superpower, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. He's on his way home from conquering Egypt, the other world's superpower, figures he'll stop over, I'll besiege it. Means What does that mean? It means that he... he He captures the city and takes hostages, including Daniel and his three friends who we've encountered before. Verse two, and the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God. So Nebuchadnezzar, you know, uh, takes some of the stuff out of the temple, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the articles into the treasure of the house of his God. Now that would be a powerful demonstration to the people that Nebuchadnezzar's God was more powerful than Jerusalem's God. Verse 10, I'm not gonna read it to you, but one of the servants confides in David that he's afraid of Nebuchadnezzar, uh, one of the palace servants, he's afraid of getting his head chopped off by Nebuchadnezzar. That's sort of the feel of 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 the palace. You know, don't, don't, don't burn dinner. Don't, <laughs> make sure there's no spots on the rug. Don't make any mistakes. You might get your head chopped off. Uh, we also said that Nebuchadnezzar murdered the king of Judah. Judah is southern Israel where Jerusalem was with his sons right in front of him. So there you are. You're the king. You're captured. He brings your sons in in front of you and Nebuchadnezzar executes your sons right in front of you. And then Nebuchadnezzar gouged his eyes out. So the king's last memory of seeing would be what? Watching my sons be murdered by this just crazy man. Nice guy, huh? Then chapter two, he had a dream. And he threatens the people that he brings in his wise men, his dream interpreters. And he threatens to uh, butcher anyone who can't tell him what his dream is and interpret it. So not only did he want them to interpret the dream, but he says, you know, if you can't, then I'm going to have somebody cut you to pieces. Chapter three, he erects a huge statue and uh, anyone who won't bow down to it, he invites to the Nebuchadnezzar barbecue. And what's on the menu? The people who won't bow down. (laughs) He threatens to throw them into a fiery furnace. Now, some of you ladies are like, looking at your husband like, well, maybe you're not quite as bad as I thought, honey. (laughs) Now we fast forward about 20 years to chapter four, where God humbles this proud man and shows incredible mercy towards him. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to tell you right now in all seriousness and all sincerity, whether again, you're here, you're watching online, you're in another room in the church, that God holds out the invitation of his mercy and forgiveness to you today. 
If you are a follower of Jesus and you feel you are very far from God, today there's another invitation to you. The invitation is to come back to God and to be restored. Sort of a no questions asked kind of thing. The welcoming arms of your heavenly father. These days, a lot of people are very down. A lot of Christians walking around with very long faces. I thought it was bad before, but oh my goodness now. I pray that today God turns those long faces into faces of pure joy, uncontrollable joy. And I pray one of, I call the cultures of heaven. One of the cultures of heaven is a culture of invitation. God is always inviting us to him. I pray that a culture of invitation captures your heart, captures the heart of our church. That's really how this church came into being was, was people inviting their friends. That's really, it didn't, didn't come from a lot of other ways and then you know, virtually other things like radio ministry and stuff like that happened. But that's, that's really how we became a church. We moved up here, we didn't know anybody. We started with seven people. Five of them had my last name. One is sitting in the far back there. He's still here. And the other one now moved to Nashville, Tennessee or something like that. He, he played the guitar. So this morning, I want us to look at, again, it's not traditional verse-by-verse teaching. I want us to look at three things I believe that Nebuchadnezzar learned. Number one, Nebuchadnezzar learned about the sovereignty of God. When we talk sovereignty, we mean that God is in control. Look at verse 34 of chapter 4. And at the end of time, that would be the the time of Nebuchadnezzar's humbling. We'll come back to that. I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven. So he says, I looked up to heaven, and my understanding returned to me. So what had happened, he'd had a period of insanity, and now, for the first time in his life, he sees clearly. I don't know how many of you that happened to when you became a follower of Jesus. That happened to me. There I am, 29 years old. I owned a multi-million dollar company that I started from nothing. I thought I saw very clearly, and all of a sudden there was this new world that was open to me. I was like, wow, I've been missing quite a bit. And he says, and I bless the most high. Well, who's the most high? Well, that's not his pagan God. That is the living God, the Lord God, and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion or an eternal dominion. Now, we, we, think we don't use that word dominion very much. That has to do with uh, Nebuchadnezzar had a dominion over uh, an earthly kingdom. He you know, controlled this big area, but he knows that God has an eternal or, or everlasting dominion that he rules over the entirety of the universe. Nebuchadnezzar has come to realize that though he was the the king or the emperor over this world empire, over the then to him, the known world, that he actually was under a true sovereign 
who controlled all of the universe. And his kingdom is from generation to generation. Verse 35, all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed or counted as nothing. He does according to his will. God does what he wants. In, some of your versions say, with the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain his hand. Nebuchadnezzar is like, I got the most powerful army. I cannot restrain this God's hand, or say to him, what have you done? Now, God has a perfect plan. If you say that to most Christians, they go, oh, yes, of course I know that. Then you say, well, how's your life going? And then they tell you how God's plan is not really going so well. Isaiah puts it this way, that that the Lord says that his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are higher. What does that tell us? That God knows the best way to accomplish his perfect plans, even if it makes absolutely, positively no sense to us at the moment. And so here we have Nebuchadnezzar, an enemy of God, a brutal bloodthirsty man who learned the sovereignty of God the hard way by being made insane, and yet he still experiences the love and mercy of God. That tells us something of extreme importance that is really the essence of what we're going to talk about today is that in his love, in his mercy, in his sovereignty, God is willing to extend his love, his grace, his invitation to the kingdom and offer of the forgiveness of sins to people who have hated him, to people who have ignored him, to have people who have been totally indifferent to him. Not only did Nebuchadnezzar hate God, completely lived against God, attacked the people of God, Nebuchadnezzar also took credit for all God gave to him. Let's look back at verse 17. This decision is by the decree of the watchers and the sentence by the word of the holy ones in order that the living may know. And remember, this was said three times. We said it was the theme of the chapter. We said this is why we don't need to be afraid of the government. That the most high rules in the kingdom of men and he gives it to whomever he will. Three times God told us that. And he sets it over the lowest of men. So being told that three times, right? What what does Nebuchadnezzar do with this? Jump ahead to verse 30. The king spoke saying, is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power? And the honor of my majesty. So what is he doing? He's taking all the credit. So what happens? What does God do? Does he go, oh, I didn't know that. 
Thanks, Nebby, for straightening me out. No, God humbles him. Why does God humble us? Because his ways are not like our ways. His thoughts are not like our thoughts. How many of you would identify yourself as a follower of Jesus that came into the kingdom through purely God humbling you? Yes, that would be most of us. (laughs) So God humbles him. Why? For the benefit of his soul. We'll look at verse 31. While the word was still in the king's mouth, he's still bragging and boasting. A voice fell from heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you and they shall drive you from men and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make you eat grass like oxen and seven times shall pass over you until you know that the most high rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. So he says it again. So God does what he wants. You and I have to accept that. We have to accept that. We have to accept his power. We have to accept his sovereignty. We have to accept his plan. That doesn't mean we can't tell him we're not too down with the plan. Just remember, you're wrong, God's right. That doesn't mean you still don't try your best. We always try our best. But this is what Nebuchadnezzar and you and I, we need to learn. That God is large and in charge. That he is sovereign. The second thing that Nebuchadnezzar seems to have learned is the fragility of life. Life is very fragile, isn't it? Verse 36, at the same time, my reason returned to me. So when he was bragging, he lost his mind. So what happened to him? Life changed in an instant. And it can for all of us too, can it? Almost all of us have experienced those times when just something just completely changed in an instant. And, the glory, and for the glory of my kingdom, my honor and my splendor returned to me. My counselors and nobles restore, were restored to me. I was restored, resorted to me. I was restored to my kingdom and the excellent majesty was added to me. So God gives him the kingdom back. He is restored to what he was before. You know, most people, live like they are the sovereign of their lives, don't they? I mean, most people do. The bad news is that that's pride. And sometimes you, you, know, you talk with friends. Summertime, maybe you're at a barbecue or something like that, and your friends are asking you about your weird warehouse church that you go to, and, and, and so they're just talking to you about different stuff. And, 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 and you realize that really what's going on in their souls is a battle for who will be king. Will they be king or will the Lord Jesus be king? That is the essence of the battle that goes on. Who will rule? Who will be the king? 
And that's part of the reason, yes, sin entering the world, but that's part of the reason why God has allowed the world to be so fragile. Because most of us know that at virtually at some point in everyone's life or various points in someone's life, they will hit a wall. We always will sometime run into a wall. We're like those crash dummies, you know, on those commercials for the cars. That's how I feel sometimes the way my life is going. That's because God wants us to know that we have far less control over our lives than we think. We have far less control even over our minds than we think. Six years ago next month, I'm on the beach in North Carolina. My wife and I are on our second honeymoon. We dropped our youngest off at college. We were grieving. No, we were celebrating. (laughs) Second to last day of vacation, we rented a house down in the Outer Banks. Beautiful two weeks of just together, just her and I. Oh, it's glorious. Second to last day, I stand up. I do a 360 times four. (laughs) I go down on the sand. And I've had neurological damage to my brain ever since. Just like that. Just before it happened, I was reading a thick, thick, thick theological book because I'm a geek and that's what I do for fun. Still have it today, not as bad as I did. So if you see, if you're a guest here, you see people moving out of my way, it's because I have a severe motion disorder. It's not because they're bowing to the king. I wish you would bow to the king, but no. (laughs) But even your mind can change that quick. Think about it. How often do people go to the best doctors and they hear, I'm sorry, we just don't know. Or I've heard, this will be cured, just not in your lifetime. Or how often do people hear doctors say, I'm sorry, there's nothing more we can do. Life is fragile. Uh, People worry about money. So they stop being generous. Or maybe they were so worried about money that they, they never were really generous. People worry about job security. They worry about their kids They worry about natural disasters because the reality deep down in all of our hearts that we have to admit is that you and I can only plan so much. We can only save so much. We can only control so much. Most people who have what we might call success are like Nebuchadnezzar. They give themselves all of the credit. But let me ask you, if you're a person of quote-unquote success who gave you your brain, who gave you your skill set, who put you in the right place at the right time for all of those things to come together? 
the sovereign God who knows that quite often life is going to pull the plug. I was reading a couple months ago an interesting article on the top 1% of people in the United States of America. Most of them have a personal wealth of over about $10 million. And people come in and out of it like crazy. It, it is very, very, it's a fluid thing because people get, have a lot of money and then they lose it. Or they, they don't have that much money and then somehow they gain it. People come in and out of it. Life is very fragile. For many people, it's, it's success. It's their career. It's heartache. It's pain. It's, it's comparative goodness compared to others. It's family. It's kids. It's even religion or prideful religion that gets in the way of people looking to Jesus. Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love brings you the great hope of the gospel to equip you to reach others with this transforming message. In a world filled with fear and mistrust, Pastor Jim provides the path to freedom in a clear and transparent style. Changed by Love needs your help to reach thousands, including your friends and neighbors. Find out the ways you can team financially with Changed by Love by visiting our website at changedbyloveradio.org or call 862-217-9686. Pastor Jim would love to hear your story and how Changed by Love has impacted your life or someone you know. Your encouragement goes a long way. Thank you for spending time with Pastor Jim Kevney and Changed by Love.